the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Unbelief. It creates revolution. Meanwhile, belief, well, that creates peace. We are looking at the practical side of living life with politics and governing authorities. Next, join us. Politics and governing authorities, just exactly how are we to interact with them? What is God's design for all of this? I'm glad you asked. We've got answers to your questions, and they come right out of Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, online at reformedheritage.org. Today, we turn our attention to Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. Pastor Gary's message is called Unbelief and Revolution, Part 2. Join us, won't you, for some answers to practical applications today. Here's Pastor Gary. Unbelief creates revolution. Faith creates submission to the will of God and to suffering if necessary. Notice in verse 3. Paul adds there in Romans 13, verse 3, a description of what rulers are supposed to do. Now, the Holy Spirit is describing the rulers as they ought to be, who are to reflect God's common grace toward the people, but may never truly do so unless they confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and seek to govern by his law. But either way, We are to fear them, and rightly so, because they are in authority over us. But here in verse 3, we are encouraged not to have a slavish fear like a criminal, always looking over his shoulder. You know, many who talk today against the government and want to throw off the yoke of human authority and live as they please have good reason to fear the powers that be because they do evil and their own conscience condemns them and they live under fear of punishment. So do we want to be free from this fear as Paul asked the question in the middle of verse 3? He says, then do good. Do you want to be free from a servile fear of government that leads to hatred and resistance and vilification? Do good. Then we will have the praise of our rulers, not their censor, the Holy Spirit says. We shall not live in the fear of our lives, our freedom, our property, but confident God will preserve these as we need them because they are His. They're not ours by our rights. Now, the apostle was certainly aware of the fact that the usual way to get into the graces of governments of his day, both Jewish and Roman, was, of course, to curry favor, right? 
to wink at their injustices, go along with their schemes. No, he describes here the civil powers, the higher powers, as they ought to be, not as they usually are. But when it is not, what are we supposed to do? Hallelujah, go take up arms and go fight. No, we must honor the king and submit to his commands as far as obedience to God allows. We must revere him as he is before God, not as he is in himself. And when he does not praise the good but the evil, and when he does not terrorize evil men but good men, there we have a sterling opportunity to give a good witness of our Savior and to submit and to suffer patiently and to be and do like him before Herod and Pilate. Forgive our enemies, bless those who curse us, and stand for God's truth. Give a good confession, but not. I've got to swim in these evil tides in order to make it through the flood. I've got to get in there. I've got to leave 2 Corinthians 10.3 aside for a minute. I'm going to have to use these carnal fleshly weapons because there's no other way to get ahead in this context. No. It is the magistrate's duty, of course, at all times to punish the wicked and to bless the righteous. So it is our duty at all times to pursue the good. For by doing the good, we, by being lambs led to the slaughter, bring down the wrath of our heads upon the heads of wicked leaders. And God is well pleased with this. He is so much more well pleased with this as he was in his regard with Joseph than anyone else who was unjustly kidnapped, sold into slavery, wrongly abused, thrown into prison, defrauded. But even with all of that, Joseph submitted meekly and trusted God in his unjust treatment, and he did not strike back. And then there's Daniel. Don't pray in anyone else's name except the monarch's name. And Daniel goes and does his usual. Let's get together, guys. We've got to figure out a way to overturn this law. No. He gets on his knees three times a day before Jehovah God, not the monarch, where he could be seen by everyone in prayer. Then three Hebrew young adults. Everyone bow down. Then a horn is blowing. It's not going to hurt. It's just a political thing. Don't worry about bringing your spirituality into this. It's just political. Everyone is doing it. It's just a big old statue. It's just a bunch of fanfare. Look at it like the Mardi Gras. Just bow down for a few moments. What happens before the statue of Nebuchadnezzar stays before the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Don't worry about it. They remained standing. These three young men remained standing and said, we can't do it. Well then, I'm going to throw you into the fire. Okay, throw us into the fire. 
Do whatever you've got to do. God can save us if he wants to. But if he doesn't save us, we must obey God rather than men. The apostles acted the same way. Sanhedrin calls them to come, and they come. The Sanhedrin says, don't do this. They say, we must do it. We've got to obey God. Nothing is more important than obeying God and doing His will. So if you've got to persecute us, if you've got to kill us, go ahead. So like those who have gone before us, who have lived under ungodly governments, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to speak the truth, maintain integrity, fear God, Flee idolatry. This is always the fashion of the children of heaven. Now the fashions of the world change, but we can't buy these new clothes. We've got to wear the old ones. Oh, they've lost some of their luster. But we must be willing, as our Savior did, to bear injury, to suffer patiently, and to glorify God by bearing witness to His truth, even with our blood, if He would so honor us to be able to spill it. Now, men are going to say, this kind of approach, come on, doing good? Doing good is going to help me to live without fear. Guns are what will help me to live without fear. Having my own voice is what's going in what's going on. That is what helps me to live without fear. Doing good? Come on, this is irrelevant when the political furies are howling. We've got to stand up for our rights. We have rights that are guaranteed on a piece of paper after all. Far too long, Western Christians have thought in terms of rights rather than righteousness. And those two, my friends, are not the same thing. We have thought in terms of rights rather than righteousness. The concepts of rights is a humanistic creation born of theories, social and political that men rather than God are the source of law and order in society. And we live in that kind of society. We can't escape it. But we still must trust God more than we do commonly accepted political theories. We have no command in Scripture to insist upon our rights. We have every command in Scripture to pursue righteousness and then to trust that no matter what may happen to us, God will be our defender and our avenger. Therefore, when he says, verse 3, that we shall have praise by doing good, submitting to unworthy parents, submitting to unworthy husbands, submitting to unworthy governments. When he says this, we must trust his word and trust his promise. We must endeavor to live godly lives and to live in obedience to his word and to pray that he will protect us in his own time and way, and he will. We are safe in our Savior's hands. It doesn't mean we're immune from suffering. But what are we afraid of? 
I wonder if so much of this institutional rights business, all the way back to even the Bill of Rights, was really not institutionalized fear. We don't have to suffer for righteousness sake again. So here is a law that will protect us from having to suffer. We put down on a piece of paper, government will have nothing to do with religion. But it has gotten all twisted and contorted now because it wasn't our business to begin with. Nowhere in scripture are we commanded to insulate ourselves from suffering for Jesus. That is an honor. It is a privilege. If anything, we should envy those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now, it is not that we have a persecution complex. Of course, that would be silly. But have you ever read in some of the old hymns like the faith of our fathers? Oh, that my children would be able to die for thee. What? I want my children to have a 401k for thee. I want my children to have a prosperous future and a college education for thee, of course. I want my children to never have anything that will inconvenience them. I want... I don't want anything that will challenge them. I don't want them to live in fear. I don't want them to be in prison. God forbid. Really? How did the older generation then sing? Oh, that my children would be able to die for thee. Because they saw Jesus way more clearly than American Christians see him. And the American way of life has been so confused with the Christian way of life that we think, oh, let's celebrate Veterans Day and let's flag, wave American flags in the church. There is no place for any of that. We don't bring the temple of the world into the church. And I'm not speaking, I'm, and I am speaking as a man whose friends who were killed in Vietnam. But that is not what we bring into the church. That is what the city of man does. We learn righteousness and obedience like our Savior did. Though he was God's son, Hebrews 5, 7. He learned obedience by his suffering. He did what was right. He did what was good. And he pleased his father. And he took the consequences with meekness. And when he received them, he wasn't up there on the cross saying, I'm going to get you. I did what was right. You are the wicked villains in this play. No, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So that needs to be our prayer too in terms of submission. Father, forgive my husband. He doesn't know what he's doing wrong, but I've got to submit to him anyway. For God, forgive my parents, Lord. They don't know what they're doing, but I'm going to submit to them anyway. It's not my place to stand in judgment of the powers that be. Lord, my government doesn't know what it's doing. It's making all kinds of crazy laws. It's doing all of these things, making life just unbearable. 
I mean, who knows what is going to happen 10, 20, 40 years from now? Will I be in prison? Will I be... How many times was Paul in and out of prison? Did he ever say, Oh, I hope I never have to go there again. If they would just pass a law giving religious freedom. No, what he said was, I boast in persecution. I boast in affirmity. I boast in weakness and hardship and tribulation. I boast in it because then the power of Christ rests upon me. When I am weak, then I am strong. Now, I don't purport today to have answered all of your questions about this passage. That has not been my intent. But it has been my intent to do justice, which Scripture says, the defining spirit of the disciples of Christ toward the higher powers is submission out of the fear of God, love for Him, and a recognition that whatever they say about themselves, however they come to office, however they use the authority of God that He has given them, God stands behind them for His purpose. And he takes resistance to them as resistance to him. And he takes obedience to them as obedience to him. If they go beyond and start commanding us to disobey God, we have a remedy. And that is, we must humbly obey God rather than men. And that may mean you're going to suffer. But praise God, I was counted worthy to suffer shame for the sake of Christ. Praise God, I was counted worthy to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. I wish that my itty-bitty, weak, pathetic faith had any ounce that would be that honored by God. Remember what the apostles said when they came out after they were beaten, beaten for preaching the gospel. I know what we should do, what we would probably do today. We've got to file a lawsuit. Counter-sue those bums. No, they came out and rejoiced, bleeding, bruised, and broken. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. There are few consequences right now for speaking the truth here in America. But is it a joy to you? If keep people come down on you for being a Christian, or does the fear of what other people will think about me, if I really speak out for Jesus here, oh, no, it's just better to be piously quiet and to show by my life that I'm not one who speaks badly of others. I'm a good Christian. Well, there are going to be all kinds of people in hell who never spoke badly of others. Well, I'm just going to show that I'm a good family man. There are going to be all kinds of good family men in hell. As Christians, we are called to do more than just the negative. I don't cuss, I don't drink, and I don't go with girls that do. We are called upon to give a positive confession and to yell it from the rooftops. But I think, Many Christians have become ashamed of Jesus. 
Paul said the cross is a stumbling block. It is foolishness to many. Well, let me tell you where the cross is the biggest foolishness today. It is in the church. We'll talk about all kinds of other things, do all kinds of things, but in places in my own life too, I don't want to talk about Christ and Him crucified because I don't want people to think I'm a nut. Well, if that is me now, let's say the worst fears of the preppers and the fear mongers come true. And it actually becomes costly to be a Christian. And the cost is your life. Well, if we're not willing to pay for the minor consequences now for our faith, we're not going to be willing to pay with our life. If we are embarrassed of Jesus now, we're going to be more embarrassed of him later. So let's labor to love and grow in love for Christ. Let's spend time in the Gospels. Read the accounts of Christ, particularly in John. And I advise you to do this. Pick up a copy of Hugh Martin's, write this down, Hugh Martin's In the Shadows of Calvary and read the interactions of Jesus with Herod and Pilate and grow in love for him. And as you do, Grow in courage that nothing is going to happen to you outside of the only power that is, and that is his control. Nothing. It doesn't mean I don't take safeguards to preserve my, my life and the life of my family, but do I do all of, but do all of this against the background, not of frenzy and fear, but of faith. Faith in God's promises. Faith in God's sovereign rule. Why? Listen. Because behind every king, every governor, ruler, highest, lowest power, there stands another king. And that is one Jesus. And they all will give an account to him. But until he sets up the thrones for judging, Until he says, okay, church, it's time to judge angels on earth. The church is to bear the cross and look like its Savior. Not to beat its chest and say, what about my rights? What about them? They're his. He defends how and when he wants to. We are called to be like Jesus in his submission. And I pray that God will give us the grace in our families, here in our congregation, and in the world in which we live, to practice what is really in our day a radical discipleship. But the message is very simple. Be submissive. Be obedient. Fear God. Honor the King. But it is radical. Because every man walks around thinking, I am competent to judge, and I have an axe to grind. I'm going to be on the radio claiming my rights. I'm going to set up a blog to claim my rights. And we walk around like little gods. But there is only one God, and he says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. Amen. Let us pray. Father. We thank you for your word and for our security in your hand. And we pray that you give us humility and meekness before you. 
these kinds of verses raise lots of questions because we are children of certain political schools of thought and have witnessed several things over the last decade. But help us to begin where your word begins, which is very simply, we are to be like Jesus. We are to be submissive to those you have placed over us, and we are to place the yoke that you will for us willingly around our neck without grumbling, complaining, chafing, or manipulating. Oh, help us to do so. Please teach us to bow before your will, no matter the consequences to ourselves, and help us to grow in our love for you and in our likeness of Christ. Give us meekness, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB, that stands for Post Mailbox, number 402-1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.